Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings. Thank you for joining us today for our next episode of Tapping Into Spirit. Today we have a wonderful conversation to have with a Reiki practitioner, Mr. Daoud Abi. Yay. How's everyone doing? Great, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Did I say your last name correctly? Yes, Abade. Okay, great, great. So you're based in New York, and we're going to talk a little bit about your Reiki practice and how you um, do what you do with Reiki. But we want to find out a little bit about you and how you even came to be doing that to begin with. Okay. So because this is about tapping into spirit and there's certainly a spiritual dimension to doing Reiki, but why don't you say a little bit about your own uh, kind of sojourn into spirit and, and kind of how you've gotten to this place? Indeed. Um, I mean, I was, I was lucky enough to choose and be raised in a spiritual family. Um, so uh, spirit, spirit and spirituality has always played a role um, in my life since childhood, whether it be in seriousness in regard to just having reverence and respect for ancestor and creator and tradition, or in jest. I was talking the other day about my grandfather was constantly talking about communicating with ghosts and spirits all the time, and you didn't know if he was joking or if he was serious. It was really? just up to you to choose it, but it was nonstop. Like, yeah, today this old lady visited me and I was talking to her and blah, blah, blah. This was a, a common thing in my childhood. So, um, you know, just the various degrees of spirituality were always present. Um, our, my mother is very spiritual in, in the way she lives, um, just in regard to nature and, and, and respecting traditions and kind of having a, a non-formatted um, ex expression of spirituality, but it's definitely a constant in what she does and how she does things. It's more kind of like just comes out um, when necessary, mm. you know? Um, okay. So that's always been interesting. And then, then my father, you know, he's one of those people who studied everything. So he, um, he was constantly like sharing ideas of various philosophies and spiritual traditions, um, a lot of Eastern stuff when we were young, um, and regard Islam as well. Um, and then as we became like in our teens, I believe, that's when he got introduced to, to the West African traditions um, and then started exposing us to those practices. Um, so yeah, from being indigenous Native American practices to West African practices to, you know, Eastern philosophies and Taoism and Hinduism and all things, these things all played a role um, in my life. Christianity was probably the least access. Um, I never was, went to church as a child or anything like that. Um, and I think not until like there were weddings or maybe a couple funerals might have been the first time I ever stepped foot in a church. Really? Um, only times ever. So um, we, we definitely were taught to kind of have a broad scope and to look other than where everybody else was looking. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that was a, that's a pretty unique and broad experience that you don't see happening for a lot of people, particularly in this country. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's cause I mean, it had a lot to do with our parents, but you know, my father particularly said that he was forced to go to church a lot of his life as a child and he had a lot of questions and he was always condemned for asking the questions. So 
when he decided that he was old enough to take a stand for himself, he was like, I'm not going anymore because I'm tired of being made wrong for questioning things that don't make sense to me. Mm. Um, so that kind of was what was introduced to us as like, you're not going to get answers there. If you want answers, go search everything else. You know mm. what I mean? Um, mm. So that, that, I think that is why it happened that way. As, as an adult, then I did eventually like start looking into Christianity and stuff and finding synchronicities and things that I, that I saw in, in the other things I was exposed to, but it was definitely after I had already started, oh, this is like this. I had a, my lens came from somewhere else and then I was able to see the best part, um, you know, cause there's a best part of everything, you know? So okay. in Christianity, I believe yeah. that there's, there's spirituality there as well. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of power and, in, in, in um, energy and, in usefulness. Um, it's just that it's been clouded, unfortunately, by oppressive cultures. You know? Sure. So would you say that you take something from all those various different things that you study in terms of how you approach spirit currently? Yeah, totally. I, I definitely do. Um, more so than less is not as much of taking things from everything. I've come to seeing things in common in everything. That's what kind of happens to me. It's more not like it's like. Oh, they do that too. Oh, they do that too. Oh, they do that too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, it's like right. this is everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, kind of what's happened for me, and, and I'll get into even that more talking about Reiki, but my understanding has come to understand that like globally we all pretty much practice the same things. Um, and they just started to have different names and different expressions, but that at the root, it's it's the same source, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So you talk a lot about um um, being exposed to different spiritualities in your childhood and your parents' belief system. Do you feel that you were always a person who practiced spirituality? Or um, do you think that, you know, as time went on, um, it became more apparent to you? Like, what were your younger years like? Um, I believe it was always present for me. I just didn't call it that and didn't understand that's what it was. I always joke and say that, like, my first religion was Star Wars, you know, because like the Jedi's just made sense to me. These people who were driven by a code and were there to, for the betterment of all and who practice self-mastery and trying to tap into source and let source guide them and separate from their yeah. ego. Like that was, that made, per, it resonated with me from, as a child. Um, and that kind of led me to seeing that in other things and understanding that that, that was borrowed from so many other traditions. You know, okay. so um, there is no try, just do. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you know, yoga but, was totally a guru. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, he literally was. I mean, a lot of people may not know, but George Lucas, when he developed the whole lore of Star Wars, he was advised directly by Joseph Campbell, who was a leader in spirituality yeah. and philosophy and mythology in the Western world. So he, he was sure that it was a true myth and that it contained all the characteristics of a true myth. Um, when he when he wrote it, so it actually really is modern mythology in that way. Okay, I did not know that Joseph Campbell does a, does a lot with the hero and the myth story and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, so, he consulted with him for a long time before he he wrote the story. Oh, cool, cool. So the Matrix also resonates with you as well. I would take it definitely. Yeah, the Matrix is great. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. The yeah. Matrix came later in life. Right, right. As I started exploring other things. I was like, oh, okay, I see what, the, what this is. Yeah. You know, yeah. definitely getting into more of the indigenous practices and plant medicines and things of that nature. That's where, that's where I connect the Matrix. Okay. Okay. Good. So do you think that, you know, you, you referenced Star Wars. Do you think that that, um, you know, sort of prefaced your interest in doing Reiki? Like when you think about like the source and the force. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Star, Star Wars and martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, our father, you know, he, he was a martial artist. I grew up around martial arts. Uh, that was, I mean, there's pictures of me in a bundle sitting in the corner of the dojo while my father's training, you know what I mean? Like that, that's something that was always a constant in my life. And, uh, his his martial arts practice was very spiritual. Like I remember as a child, you know, he would be I would wake up in the morning and see him sitting in the middle of the room meditating and things of that nature. And I would try to sneak up on him and he would tell me he felt me through his chi and things of that nature. So it was like that was also a norm. Um, and 
martial arts and the Star Wars stuff and just understanding and knowing that there was uh, people in the world who were said to be able to manipulate yeah. energy and things of that nature definitely is what sparked my curiosity and led me to Reiki in that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. To want to do it, you know. So you're talking about a way of being, a way of living life. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. So, so talk a little bit about Reiki. Some people may not even know what it is. So do Reiki for the third grader. Break it down on that level. Well, Reiki is a Japanese expression of a traditional healing modality that I believe is innate to all humans. Mm -hmm. um, Reiki itself, and the, the term Reiki was coined in the late 1800s, um, in the early 19, the early 18, late 1800s, and then it kind of emerged in the early 1900s by a Japanese monk named Dr. Asui. Um, in Western lore, they, they like to say he was a Christian monk, but to my understanding, he was actually a Buddhist monk. And um, he basically, while teaching students, they, they asked him about the fact that the Buddha and Jesus and other people were said to do miraculous healings with their hands. And he um, wanted to substantiate that. So he went into a study and other monks led him to some writings that were in Sanskrit and he studied them and that's where he accessed the process to unlock what he had later called Reiki. Mm. Um, Reiki means kind of like God's energy. You know, Rei is like the most high, it's like God, it's the source, and the key is like chi or prana. Um, so Reiki just has to deal with accessing divine energy in that way, which not in the way that we think of divine energy as attributed it to this sentient being, mm -hmm. but understanding it's life force energy. Mm -hmm. um, and the that I found in my research that, you know, there's traditions all over the world that do this. They just call it different things and they have different practices that um, give them access to it. And it was something that was kind of kept more secret or something that you had to be initiated to be part of an order or was kept in certain families until a re Reiki came around. That's when it became something that like you could learn and there was a school for it and you could go to the school in Japan and study Reiki. And it was not like something we do here, similar to martial arts traditionally or so many other things like in the Western, you know, the Western, West African tradition, so many other things like you had a teacher, you went under a study, there was different things you had to do. That's how Reiki initially was founded. But as it came to the West, it got watered down. It became something that's kind of like fly by night. Um, you pay some money, you get certified and then you go out and now you're a master on a weekend, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Right, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. The commodification of Reiki. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's what the Western America. world does to capitalism. It's what the Western world does to things. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately. And, you know, through that way, some, some people gain access to something that they end up doing great things with. But unfortunately, I believe it gets perverted and misused in the most part. Mm -hmm. You know, and even loses its, its, its power, loses its respect because so many people maybe don't earn titles or are giving titles and they don't exemplify them, you know? Yeah. So like I'm attuned to master levels in Reiki, but I, I rarely call myself a master because I'm also a martial artist. And like in martial arts, they usually say until you have black belt students who have black belt students, you're not a master. Right. Right. There are levels to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just time, in, time put in. You know, earn your stripes. Yeah, I mean, I have 15 years in this, but I'm still breaking. I'm still coming to new realizations now that I don't have question. There's questions that still aren't answered. So for me, I can't say I mastered this. You know, I so think you told us oh, <laughs> oh, you told us a little bit about the history of Reiki. Mm -hmm. So what happens what when someone comes to get Reiki from you? What kind of experiences do they have? What does that look like? Okay, um, so the actual practice of Reiki is a practitioner goes through an initiation, for lack of better words, um, where our, our channels are open in our body to allow the energy to flow with intention and direction. Um, and then you practice that for a while to have a relationship with this energy um, and to, create, to, to strengthen your connection to it. When a person comes for Reiki, what is happening is that 
an energy that everybody already is tapped into that that's a healing force that I believe we all have access to. Um, it's enhanced, it's, it's amplified. Um, and through that amplification, generally, physically, people feel levels of heat from cold to hot. They may feel vibration. They may feel that pins and needle feeling that you feel like when a limb falls asleep. Um, and then often people go into like a meditative state. You know, it's not uncommon for people to be snoring or to be deep breathing. Um, for the quickly while the session begins, they go into that state of mind. And then um, often afterwards, they don't feel like they were sleeping. They feel like they were alert the whole time. Or they might be like, was I snoring? I feel like I heard myself snoring, but I feel like I was awake. Um, and what's happening is the Reiki somehow puts the body into a trance state, um, which is similar to the REM state of mind or the state that we access when we meditate and that is when the healing happens you know when we're in that state of mind there's a lot of research that says that's when you know the subconscious mind can focus on repairing cells you know when the body can start fixing itself and as well as we go through a lot of emotional healing and even spiritual healing in that state working things out that's how i believe the reiki healing actually works it helps people put into go enter a, a trance state, a healing trance state, which we can all do to ourselves, but it usually takes a lot of practice to bring yourself into that state. Mm -hmm. Somehow Reiki is a kind of a way that, um, it helps people get somewhere that's, that's more difficult to access on our own without a lot of practice. Mm -hmm. And you do this by um, basically laying hands on people, right? Like Yeah, generally in-person session, it's laying hands on um, different practitioners practice differently. Some people actually don't touch at all. In my sessions, I hover as well as place my hands on people. Um, so sometimes I'll bring, you know, my hands will be a few inches away from somebody, or I might actually lay my hands on their body. It's intuitive, you know, and it's how I feel. And also sometimes laying your hands makes things more intense. And also for me, there are people who are, who doubt more than others. And when I'm working with someone who's a doubter, then I I tend to not touch them because then when they're feeling something and they're not being touched, it brings them more to like, okay, something's actually happening right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Interesting. So yeah, it's on me as well. Like I gauge who I'm working with and that's who I decide how I work with them because mm -hmm. the investment in the person who's the recipient, I, re I believe is a, a fundamental aspect of it. Like if they, if they believe in it and they have faith in it, then it's going to work that much more. You know what I mean? I believe. Mm -hmm. So how are people typically responding to you when, when this happens? What is the, what oh, are it's amazing. I mean, I, I, I generally, I always have good responses. Like people, it works. You know what I mean? I'm always amazed after I've been working. I mean, I, I've, it's been 15 years since I got initiated into Reiki. Um, it's been 27 years since I first got introduced to it from my mother because she's a practitioner as well. Um, but for myself, since 2012, I've been working with people, clients, you know, doing sessions and working with people. And I've, I mean, honestly, I've only had amazing and good responses. You know, there's been a couple people who've been a little bit upset because it brought up emotional things for them that mm -hmm. they then had to work out a little bit. But then after a weekend of crying, then they contacted me and was like, thank you. I didn't realize I needed to do that, you know. Sure. Um, most of the time people feel good they feel relaxed um, but every once in a while it does bring up something uncomfortable for people mm -hmm. um, but not as common it's very it's at least common for that to happen or like I, I had a client who was an amputee and when I worked with that person they would feel very intense feelings where they had the amputation mm -hmm. um, so sometimes if someone has something drastically physically going on you, it may feel a little bit painful because somehow the Reiki is like working on the healing process. Interesting. So is there, a, is there, I'm thinking about the different dimensions where you would be doing Reiki. So for people who are amputees, for instance, mm -hmm. would that be something that they could benefit from getting Reiki done? Yeah, because it, it expedites healing. Reiki definitely helps healing. Um, you know, I've seen it help people with their healing. I, you know, uh, a family member had a broken femur, which is like the largest bone in your body. Mm -hmm. And our mother actually sent 
that person Reiki every day for a while. And when they went back to their doctor, their doctor was amazed at how quickly they were healing. Um, I, I believe um, from, from experience that Reiki really does help the, the healing process. It does help speed the healing process. Um, so with people with physical things, it's definitely beneficial. And usually then that way it's done more direct. Like you do Reiki to the actual spot where something is injured, you know? Um, but it, it has so many expressions, mm -hmm. you know? The, the thing about it too is it's, for myself, um, even though I'm doing it and I'm facilitating it, I never really know what someone's going to experience because we're all unique in the Reiki the Reiki really, once you open the door for it, it does what needs to happen. Okay. You know, so it's not uncommon. Like, you know, I was working with a woman once who had cysts in her ovaries, but she didn't tell me that. And I didn't, I didn't, she came to me for a session. She said, I just needed healing. And when um, I, I did my prayer and I asked if I could begin, if I had a permission to begin, she said, yes. And then I had my um, hands, she had her eyes closed and I had my hands over her head and I'm starting to begin. And then as we, as we finished, she said, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but when you said, can I be, can we begin? You said, yes. I opened my eyes and I saw my, your hands were over my head, but I had already felt your hands over my, over my ovaries. There were already hands placed there. Once we said begin, I felt like hands were placed there. But then when I opened my eyes, your hands were over my head. And she was like, that scared me. And I kind of felt like I was a little crazy and I didn't want to say anything about it. But and I was just like, yeah, the Reiki goes where it needs to go. Oh, <laughs> it's, wow. It's, it does that. And that's happened many times. It's not uncommon for people to feel multiple sets of hands on their body. Like while they're that's how they, that's how it feels to them. So it's, um, it's, it's pulling the energy. The energy is being directed on a spiritual level. It's a spiritual level. Yeah, I believe yeah. it's a spiritual level. It's working with the energetic aspects of the body and even the spiritual um, aspects of who we are because there's a few spiritualists I work with who've described seeing the same being spirit working on them um, when we're doing sessions that I don't see but their description all describe the same person for lack of better words um, they say it's an old Amer a Native American guy and he's like doing stuff like pulling stuff and doing things while we're working but I've never seen that. That's not my experience with it. But I have had three people who have the ability to channel and see spirits and talk with spirit describe seeing the same spirit working on them. Um, okay. So there's the spiritual aspect to it mm -hmm. uh, that um, I'm still exploring. And that's often the other thing is that part is not often discussed in Reiki discussions you know they there's very rarely anyone who talks about it as a spiritual thing it's usually an energy thing mm -hmm. um at most so there's a lot to it that's still mysterious how has reiki affected your life like um practicing reiki understanding it um i know that you practice reiki on yourself as well how do you think that it has changed or evolved your life well, my, my life transformed the, the day I, I got initiated into Reiki. So um, it was actually my 33rd birthday, the day before my 33rd birthday. And then the next day, it was like, honestly, it was very uncomfortable for, uncomfortable for me. Um, mm. Growing up in New York City, I, you, know, you develop this wall around you. And, and being a young man growing up in the city, you know, I navigated a lot of violence as I was growing up. And I believe that hardened me to a degree. Um, and when the, when I, I got attuned for Reiki, the next day I remember was a birthday party and I had all these people around me who loved me and it was like, I kept getting overwhelmed. And then the woman I was dating at the time, she would try to hug me and it, it just felt uncomfortable. And my younger sister tried to hug me and it felt uncomfortable. And honestly, it, it felt like my personal space expanded. So someone standing next to me, especially if they had strong emotions for me, it was almost like when someone like sticks their finger in your ear or something. Like it was like <laughs> my, my personal boundaries were being, felt like they were being invaded. Right. And I had to get really used to feeling in that way. So like, being on crowded subway cars or being in, in Times Square now to me actually is overwhelming. Like it's too much. Wow. Um, so like when I did Reiki, like my, my energetic awareness shifted and I believe that maybe it unlocked and expanded my spirit in some kind of way. 
because the, the field of what my personal spaces kind of got wider, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and it definitely made me more compassionate. It softened me in a lot of ways. You know, my, my, my empathy got stronger. Um, and it led to me even just becoming a more disciplined person in the way I eat and the things I expose myself to and the music that I listen to and the spaces that I can be in because maybe where there was dysfunction that was normal to me no longer feels good. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm a plant-based eater now and it wasn't by choice. Like I had to stop eating fish because it actually didn't feel good anymore to me to eat mm -hmm. something dead. Like it, it just my body rejected it. Like I actually really tried and wanted to, but I just couldn't. Um, so my diet has shifted, you know, my life practice has really shifted since I've been doing this work. And, um, I, I consider it like an evolution, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's helped me become an even better and better version of myself. You know, I feel much younger than I did, you know, years ago when I first started doing this, I feel healthier and Reiki definitely was the catalyst for all of that. Hmm. The, the word that's coming to my mind is lighter. Do you feel yeah. lighter? Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do. I feel like a much lighter person. I'm a much more person. I'm a much more lighter person. You know, children and animals differently to me than they used to. You know, like it's not uncommon for little kids to see me walking down the street and immediately be like, ah, like they just get happy. Mm -hmm. um you know stray cats come and follow me down the block and stuff like it's just you know different th different things really started happening as i did this practice more yeah um, wow. you know i think about um i talk to people about this as energetic dust right you think about the the character on charlie brown pig and mm -hmm. he always had this cloud of dust around him and i think that a lot of people walk around with energetic spiritual um, negativity around them. Totally. Uh, particularly in a space like New York, right? Um, you you got all types of stuff happening. And so um, it's easy to pick that up and have somebody else's stuff attached to you. And then you be carrying that heavy load around. Totally. And uh, it seems to me that you've been able to cultivate a way of living that allows you to be free of that energetic dust and walk with that lightness that, that, that I'm able to see and hear from you. Yeah, but I believe so. I mean, that's how it feels, you know? Um, nah, you're still kind of dusty. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, comparatively, I mean, we're all kind of dusty, right? That's part of being, being you know what I mean? There's, there's a light, there's a dark side to all of us. Um, living in this paradoxical reality of um, to navigate. So, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to deny that either. You know what I mean? Because I think that mm -hmm. that's part of being here, you know, contrast and sure. learning how to navigate both sides of ourselves. Um, right. Especially, I, I would say, especially in the male experience. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think we even have more to, to navigate, to finding mm -hmm. our way. Um, but, um, yeah, it's 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 definitely made me feel lighter. And I feel like that's also the benefit that a lot of people who work with this energy or even receive Reiki, that's what it does for them. It's not uncommon for people to say like, oh, I feel so much lighter afterwards. That's like actually the expression people usually say. Um, and, you know, it's it's really interesting. Like, you know, I work with people who are insomniacs who they'll sleep for great for a week after one session. And these are the things that happen. You know, I, I worked with a brother recently who suffering from PTSD just came from active duty in the military. And his, his wife contacted me desperate, like he's not sleeping, he's stressed out, he's not talking, all these things. And we came in a session and within like two minutes, he was snoring on the table and um, came out of it and was just like, man, like I feel great. Was I sleeping? And he was just <laughs> like, no, uh, I, I got to really think about this. Like this right. is man, like what, what happened? Like he was just like, you know, he was like, I came cause I trust my wife, but you know, he was really taken aback and you know, I'm getting the chills even saying that right now because it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to participate in. Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause I don't know if that's going to happen when it's, it's not something like acupuncture, 
you know, where I'm like, right. if I put this needle in this point, I'm going to get this reaction. Yes. It doesn't work that way. It's more mm -hmm. fluid. So for me, it's very faith-based. I have to trust that people are going to get what they need and trust the Reiki in the process and then behold what happens afterwards. Like <laughs> that's, re mm -hmm. that's really like um, how I experience it. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. So given that, who should come see you? What type of people, what type of issues, what type of problems? Why, would any, why, why, why should somebody come see you? I mean, anyone who's really invested in, in healing, um, in doing self, in, in, in embarking on self-revelation, self-study, um, it, it benefits them a myriad of things. There's people who come to me for health things. There's people who come to me, like I had a woman who, you know, um, she's a she's a lawyer and she's always kind of she always entertained spirituality but didn't have a practice and she actually came to me very consistently for a while because she found that reiki helped her meditate better mm -hmm. um and then eventually i ended up teaching her reiki but she she since then has become a spiritual practitioner with a very deep meditation practice and she says that reiki helped her do that because mm -hmm. it gave her access to that space Mm -hmm. So then once that space became familiar, she was able to, to access it on her own. Um, so it's like, it, it can really help anyone. The only people that sometimes I'm hesitant about is if people who have like, you know, um, they, they might be better off seeing a, a psychiatrist or a therapist okay. um, or, or a spiritual practitioner because they have something dark with them that I actually don't want to engage. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, so that's the only time sometimes I might suggest someone work with someone else or go do something else because I don't feel that it would be responsible for me to take responsibility for what it is that someone is dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. What, what, what have you been doing now? Like, you know, cause I know Reiki is laying hands on people and, you know, maybe sending energy to them physically. Um, so we're now quarantined everybody's hiding from the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, how have you been practicing now? Well, um, you know, an aspect of Reiki, once you get to the practitioner level, because the, fir the first level is really self-practice and family practice with Reiki. And you do that ideally for a year um, to uh, attune yourself and just get, a, get acquainted with the practice and the energy. But once you get to the second level, there's what we call remote Reiki or distance Reiki, where you can actually send Reiki over space and time. Um, and so when I, with the people I have been working with, which is a lot less than I was before this happened, um, I'm doing distance Reiki sessions. So it's really about um, me setting wow. a time for the person, uh, getting their name, their date of birth, um, where they are, and then going into a meditative state and do a practice that I learned, send, basically connecting with them and sending the Reiki to them. Um, so so you, think it can, you think it can help people who are like struggling with the coronavirus or any type of like health issue? Yeah, I mean, I've been working with people who, who are dealing with the virus. So, you know, I work uh, a, a good friend of mine who he's like a younger brother of mine. You know, someone was dealing with high fevers and all kinds of stuff for like two weeks that basically like multiple days a week. I was just sitting and sending and he said it definitely helped him sleep more, you know, and helped, mm -hmm. helped relieve the pain. Um, you know, I work with someone who's in the hospital and it, it helps low Reiki helps lower anxiety and things of that nature too. Cause I really think what it does is it's like, it's, it's connecting us with, for lack of better words, our higher self. Mm -hmm. So it can help alleviate fears and things of that nature, you know, cause a lot of what people, when I, the people I've been working with a lot of what I feel um, because there's a difficult aspect of the Reiki. So like when you're working with people, if you're quiet enough and you, you know, you get into the right state, I do get feelings. I do get impressions. I feel things and things of that nature. And um, a lot of people are experiencing a lot of fear and anxiety. So I, um, the Reiki is kind of helping people be more just present to the moment. Hmm. So, because a lot are my lungs going to collapse? Is my, am I going to have, organ failure, like, are all these things going to happen to me where some people have a fever for two, you know what I'm saying? Or they have a, a dry cough and then it goes away. But because of what's being 
broadcasted and just the information people are automatically going to worst case scenario and that's causing a lot of, you know, it's causing a lot of extra suffering. Um, So I found that the Reiki is kind of helping calm people. You know what I mean? It's helping them relax a little bit and maybe even have that more approach to things, tapping into themselves and how they feel as opposed to intern, you know, internalizing what's being dictated to us, mm. which is scenario, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but it's been interesting. It's, it's, it's great when I can work with people, but it's a little bit frustrating because I do feel that I could, and that, that Reiki practitioners could be helping a lot of people right now, but with the distance, it's, it's harder for people to grasp that this can be sent remotely. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's a harder thing for people to, to, yeah, it's just harder for people, you know. Um, you know, it's the people who will do that are the same people who will, will speak to a medium or get a spiritual reading because they're already open to the fact that there's more out there that's possible in the non-physical world. But for the mm-hmm. average person, they equate, most people equate Reiki with like massage or something like that. They don't really understand how spiritual it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're getting more than they bargained for in a way, but still they're able to come do it because it's like, oh, it's laying of hands, it's touching, it's energy transference. That makes sense to me. But for people to, to kind of grasp that, that we can connect energetically or spiritually over distance, that's, that's hard for a lot of people still. You know, so I'm what hoping... Oh, I'm so, so sorry. It's so That's fascinating it. to me. What What is the experience like for you? Like when you do distance Reiki, like do you feel personally like you're going on a vision quest or are you having like an out-of-body experience or does it just feel like meditation? Like it's a how, med- and then can you it's feel med- the person's illness? Like It's a meditation. I go into like a timeless space. So often the, mind, the time goes by like that. Um, I feel a lot of energy in my hands. Um, and what I, interesting because it's often even more intense than working in person with people. Like hmm. when I work in person with people, it's often not as intense as when I'm doing the remote sessions because it's really a spiritual connection this way. Um, right. I, um, I feel, yeah, it's like I go, I feel like I'm in a timeless space. Um, I feel the energy in my hands very strongly um and then you know it's like i was working with someone who's dealing with this virus right now and i kept getting the feeling of like when you're a little kid and you're just emotionally destroyed and you just want to cry so that someone will hold you and like make you feel better i kept feeling that emotion you know what i mean and this that's kind of the emotion i've been feeling working with people who are dealing with this virus so yeah it kind of has an empathic aspect to it where i kind of you feel, you know, you'll be like, I felt something on my left side, or I feel this emotion, or maybe right now you're dealing with doubting yourself or whatever. And the people have reciprocated that that is what they were experiencing, or that is what they were feeling. So yeah, it is kind of a tuning into people. Hmm. It's like a spiritual reading in a way. You Hmm. know what I mean? Um, and I'm, as I said, it's, I'm still studying it and trying to understand it more because, you know, there isn't a lot of uh, information. And, and my teacher, she's very matter-of-fact about it all. So, like, you know, she's in India. This is something, you know, when she taught, when she taught me, she was like, yeah, we call it Reiki, but we've been doing this forever. Like, you know, so um, she's very, like, don't worry about how it works. It just works. Just have faith and trust it and let it do what it does. Like, mm-hmm. why are you asking those questions? Just do it. Like, that's very, that's very much what I will get from her. If I ask her, like, why am I feeling this? She was like, because you are. That's what it does. Like, why are you worrying about that? Just just mm-hmm. do it. It's helping mm-hmm. people. Just trust people. Trust yourself, you know? Um, in the Western thinking, we just like to understand things. Right. <laughs> right. There's their rational piece as opposed yeah. to just being spirit, right? Exactly. Tapping into spirit and really being yeah. So, so you've traveled other places. Um, yeah, to, to get um, this. I've um, I mean, I've done Reiki in Ethiopia. Um, I've been to India, but I actually, when I was in Ethiopia, I connected with an elder there who uh, was a Reiki practitioner at first, and then it, it gave her access to her own practice she does now that she doesn't really call it Reiki anymore. Um, and she kind of like she works with the the archangels. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, so she like she calls the different archangels and uses them and sends them to people to help them and stuff like that. But she said her Reiki practice is what helped her access that level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't she doesn't use the Reiki tradition at all anymore. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've, I've I've definitely traveled around to different parts of the world. I try to like go to spiritual places when I travel. Mm-hmm. Um, to get 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 back connected to the different energy sources, <laughs> ancestral energy sources around the world, um, and and be reminded, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's to me is very important. Yeah. Christianity got changed for me when I went to Ethiopia. Like that's when I experienced like the root of it and the African Christianity, and then was like, oh, okay, now I get it. You know what I mean? Because okay. it, the practice felt the practice is a completely different and it feels completely different. You know what I mean? And it's, it's older than anything we know here, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it also helps that, you know, they have thousands and thousands of year old carvings with Jesus right. with an Afro. Right. And, saying, and all the angels have Afros and stuff like that. <laughs> that's, that's side of it. She's right. like, okay, you know, this <laughs> is different. Indisputable evidence, right? I mean, I went, Lolly Bella, you see, Everybody got an afro, from all the angels <laughs> to Jesus to Mary or whatever, and that stuff is old. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know and they have the beautiful giant eyes, right? Exactly. And yeah. The angels. Oh, I have a question. So you're talking about um, Christianity. Do you think that, like, how people lay hands on people in the Pentecostal church is also the same type of energy that's used for Reiki? Like, I certainly have you ever heard anyone compare those two? Yeah, I have. Um, some Christians that I work with, like I work with someone recently who's the, the daughter of a preacher, you know, in the South. And she was like, you know, she was like, yeah, some people in my congregation would think this is weird. She was like, but we lay hands. So I don't think it's any different. Like that's, that was her, that was her experience with it. She was like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have that experience with it, but that's what she expressed to me. She was like, I grew mm-hmm. up with people laying hands and doing all that stuff. So to me, it's the same. I don't see how it's any different. Um, mm. I can only speak of it in that way because I don't have that experience, but I believe it's probably accessing the same stuff. Right. Know? Yeah. You know, like you, I like traveling around the world, um, tapping into different spiritual traditions and, and learning how people connect with spirit and connect with God in the, in the ways that they do. And I think there are so many similarities that there, there, there's more alike then there is different. Definitely. Yeah. The, the ego of man gets in the way and focuses on the differences as opposed to really trying to align the things that are in common, which really can raise the vibration for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's the trick they played on us. I'm sorry? I said, that's the trick they played on us. Mm. You know, they made us believe that we're more different than the same, but... um. You know, what substantiated that for me, even though my own observations started, like I started seeing similarities. I have a good brother of mine that I met um, in ceremony doing, um, you know, North and South American traditional ceremonies, either through sweat lodges and plant medicines. Um, And he's a a brother of European descent. And um, he's older than me. And I have a lot of respect for him and his practice and his family and how they, they hold, how they regard nature and spirit. They practice a traditional European practice of spirituality. And um, I was asking him about it and he said that he got initiated into Yoruba first. And he was initiated into Yoruba because he was seeking spirituality. And he said his Baba Lao one day was like, okay, this is good for you, but now you gotta find your own practice and helped him and he said that he realized he found his own practice and that he was explaining to me the deities and how they were the same and how all these things were the same. Um, and it was really interesting. And like the traditions that he practices is more kind of like out of Ireland, um, Scotland area. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, if, if you hear him explain it, it's like the same stuff. He's like, this one is like Shango. This one is like this. Da, 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 da. And it, it was really amazing. You know what I mean? Um, and that was the first time I had heard that. Mm-hmm. And like that to me meant that brought it all full circle because Europeans are often the only ones kind of left out of all the indigenous talks. You know what right. I mean? We, right. we, we even get annoyed at them for coming to do our traditions. Right. Um, <laughs> but we forget that like what, 
what Europeans did to everybody else, they did at home first. Mm-hmm. You know, so most Europeans don't even know their their indigenous practices. Like we can at least look to Africa, look to Native Americans, look to India, look to wherever and see these things being practiced. Most Europeans know nothing but Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, in, in its oppressive form. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's I think that that's the main thing that we now need to start focusing on is like unifying all our practices and understanding that we're like really all connected to the same thing. We're earth people, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's sky, moon, you know, soil, fire, water, plants, like it's all the same thing everywhere. Right, right. And staying connected to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so um, what what is the process like if someone wants to learn Reiki? Like, how does that work? Well, um, the process is generally the way I do it. Um, they, they contact me. We um, have a dialogue. I ask them to write me a letter of intent. And then I usually correspond and talk to them about that. Like why they, you know, if they express why they want to do it, that I'll question them a little further. Like, okay, but why? You know what I mean? Like what drew you to this? What, what do you foresee your application will be? Um, and, I, you know, then after that, um, I usually, most of the time I agree. And then um, I'll usually do a workshop of at least five people. You know, I've done up to 15 people at a time. And then we spend like basically half a day uh, sharing the history, talking about, you know, what Reiki is, explaining different things about the body and the chakras and, you know, just all this, the spiritual, physical, energetic aspects of this practice. Um, my philosophies behind it as well and the things I was taught. And then there's actually an initiation process in which the practitioner, a Reiki master, attunes the person's body. So we basically do this practice that opens up the channels for them to be able to receive the energy and for it to flow with them. And then they have to, in the way I learned, which I haven't come across anyone else that's been taught in the West that learned this way, there's a 21-day practice which you work on your body to kind of imbue your body and acclimate your body to the energy flowing. And then you spend a year working on yourself after the 21 day practice, and then just working on like people who you're already connected to. So you work with loved ones, you know, if you have children or if you have a, you know, a significant other or really close friends, you can share Reiki with them. Um, but, you know, you do that for a while just to get yourself used to it. And I also believe to kind of get the body used to the energy flowing and also to kind of, you know, we heal ourselves. When we work on ourselves doing Reiki for a year, stuff starts to come up. You know, you start to have revelations. You start to realize that you start to cry whenever you're doing Reiki to a certain part of your body or certain memories start to come up. Um, and I think it really, it, it it allows a person to heal themselves and to kind of engage their own healing and their own spiritual development so that they're qualified to hold space for other people. Right. Like you, to me, I look at like, if I didn't work on myself, then how can I sit and help someone work on themselves? Right. So that, that's kind of the way I learned you work on yourself. And then after that for a year, then you get the practitioner level and then you can start working on other people. Once you learn how to protect your energy better, um and you have your own journey to pull from and you do that for a number of years and then you can start getting initiated into the master levels mm-hmm. you know? um, you how know, many levels are there um when you talked about there being levels and we, we were having that conversation it made me think about when i went to egypt and um did did a lot of study in the temples and one of the things that they had over over most of the temples is know thyself Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the, the guy was talking to us about what it took to go from the entrance of the ten- temple to the inner sanctum, right? And that was a process that in a lot of cases took 40 years of yeah. study to really work that process of knowing thyself. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's similar to, to what you're speaking about when you, when you talk about levels um, and in, in, in the process of doing that. Now you can really help somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's necessary. Like, you know, these are devotional practices. It's not really something that someone should and not devote themselves to. 
Mm -hmm. um, and I say that because it can be Dutch, it can have detrimental effects on the people you're working with, which isn't commonly expressed with Reiki, and it can have detrimental effects on the practitioner. Mm. Early on, like I've gotten sick. I got sick a couple, I got sick really bad once years ago working with somebody who had a lot going on with them spiritually. And I woke up in the middle of the night and it felt like I had a, a knife stabbed in my solar plexus. And I was like in fetal position crawling around the house like, like for, two, for almost the whole day and contacting all these Reiki practitioners who had more experience than me. And they were just like, I don't, that's not supposed to have a Reiki. I don't know what that is. And um, it wasn't until I contacted an Ifa priest I knew and, and a, um, a, a, a practitioner of indigenous practices from South America. And they both said, oh, you took on somebody's negative energy. You need to clear that. Mm. And basically, like, I, I cried. And after I cried, all the pain and all the symptoms went away. Um, wow. And then I took a bath afterwards. But it was like I started crying. And when I finished crying, I realized that, oh, I'm not in pain anymore. Like, it's all gone. Which to me, it, I knew then it was an energetic thing. And you what that, you, you took what, the energy from the client? Yeah, what happened was I, I approached it through ego. When I was working on them, I wanted to take their pain from them. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was even saying. Like, let me heal this person. Let's take this from them. Da, 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 in my mind. And, and that's the, I kind of made that agreement with it. And I did. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that taught me a lesson. And then I had to learn how to approach Reiki. So when I approach Reiki, like, I have no, I, I always say like, may this person receive what's necessary for them. Anything that doesn't belong to them, may it return back to source. May they receive any lesson that, that, that is theirs. You know what I mean? And keep whatever belongs to them. If, it, if it's still supposed to help them on their journey. Like I don't try to take, I'm not taking responsibility for anything. I'm not trying to take anything from anybody right. um, from that lesson. Like I learned like, no, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and I, the crazy thing is like the person, after, when I had that experience, the person contacted me saying, I feel great. I feel amazing. I feel like something cleaned my whole body and da 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 <laughs> All my pain is gone and all this stuff. And meanwhile, I suffered for like a whole day. Um, so that taught me how to approach it differently. So I, I actually bring more of like indigenous philosophies into my Reiki practice in regard to understanding that I have to protect myself and that mm -hmm. I have to guard myself from spirit and I call in protection and all of that stuff when I do my practice because as a priest told me, that's how you have to do it. Like he was like, I don't care what other people do and what they tell you, you know now that you have to do it that way. You know, mm -hmm. I tie a sash around my waist with the intention of that not allowing anything to connect to me. And um, yes, I always cover my head. You know, I always, I, it's just like a lot of things I do when I practice because, because of who I am, I have to do it that way. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. I think I should do it that way. They don't. But um, my understanding is that it's done that way because, you know, a lot of healers get sick over time. It's not uncommon for healers to get sick. And right. I think it's because they're not cleaning themselves and they're not regarding they're almost egotistically going in like I can just do this and I don't have to prepare myself. I don't have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we have yeah. a very, um, we have a very, I don't know where the word I want to say it. People take better care of their cars and they take care of themselves physically and spiritually. Yeah. And I believe that like, if I was racing a race car, I'm going to have a million pit stops. I'm going to have the best pit crew, the best products, the best gasoline, all that stuff. And I'm going to take, precautions to make sure that car is operating at its optimum level i believe healers and practitioners should do the same thing mm -hmm. because we're doing a lot more work with our vessel than the average person is absolutely um, yeah i think our society takes care of the external we put more focus on the external and how we look and you know and this and that rather than the internal which okay. is our source which is i think more important um, which is the tapping into spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And so focusing on taking care of that, even from a mental health perspective, hope, um, fortunately, there's been more of a push for people to look at mental health and not just physical health. 
But that's something that for a long time, people have kind of, particularly in our culture, right? It's been yeah. something, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't let our business outside of the house mm-hmm. um, or you let the um, church deal with believing God. But mental health is real and people need to really put a focus on dealing with that and being having clean mental health and uh, a healthy mental health um, position in addition to healthy physical health. Yes, totally. I mean, it's holistic. That's Absolutely. the problem. We, we compartmentalize everything and that's the problem. Right. You know? It's right. like uh, in something I was reading talking about um, how, the, how the native people refer to the body the body was a body. It wasn't arms and legs and feet and heart and whatever. It's like you you can't separate all them things. It's, right, a, it's right. a body. You know what I mean? And and I think that we tend to compartmentalize like our practices and think like, you know, I'm gonna do Reiki today and then tomorrow I'm gonna do this other thing that's total in contrast with it. And I'm gonna do these. You know, it's kind of like I, I really feel like the more I deeper I get into this and into my spirituality, it's it's actually harder to do things that aren't in alignment with the path. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel good for me. Right. You know what I mean? I, right. I, can't, I can't watch certain things anymore that I used to be able to watch. You know right. what I mean? Or even listen to certain music or eat certain things because I think I feel the energy of it. You know what I mean? It's like I, I experience it energetically and I'm just like, ah, I can't, you know. And some of it was sad because I enjoyed those things. You know what I mean? But it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's what it is. It's 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 that sacrifice. I think we make sacrifices sometimes in order to serve or in order to to gain knowledge or awareness. There's sometimes you have to step away from other things. It's it's over and over in the stories, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. The the hero stories, right? Yeah. Yeah, Joseph Campbell. Um, yeah, for, for po- folks who haven't read Joseph Campbell, he has some wonderful um, works that I think uh, would, would be beneficial to look at in terms of understanding this concept of myth and being the hero and the the highs and the lows that come along with that, right? Because you see it over and over good. in all of our different stories. It's not all good. I have a brother who's a, he's a, a priest he's, he, he's an ayahuasca a priest so he, he he deals with that medicine he always talks about the fact that you're not really a real medicine person until you've had a medicine death mm. you know like until you've had to you've had to bring yourself back from death mm. either healing yourself or you have some some kind of injury or something that came out of nowhere and you have to face it and heal it you that's when you're really qualified to be a healer and that's mm-hmm. that's something that I remember he told me and I was just like that makes sense to me you know mm-hmm. it's like you got to practice what you preach and be the proof of it absolutely it's amazing too how sometimes um you know we'll we're seeking things we're seeking spirituality we're seeking philosophy we're trying to learn but then sometimes life is the best teacher is the thing that develops us so much even before we start to receive the practices yeah and i I think that that's how it works Mm -hmm. it's like you know what i mean it's like you want it it does it's not going to come the way we want it to happen right you you're going to be uncomfortable (laughs) and your face going to be challenged and and that's when you stand in the face of it and be like okay what do i really believe right you know what's my faith do I believe I can heal myself? I've been telling everybody it can heal themselves. Do I really believe it? You know what I'm saying? And, and to me, I think that that is, that's the initiation. Like it's, it's kind of like a rebirth. It's a metamorphosis. Yeah. You know, you have to go through that. It's like in Star Wars when Luke had to go in the cave and fight Darth <laughs> Vader and then he found out it was, he was fighting himself. He was fighting the dark side of himself. You know what I mean? Like we, that's part of the journey, I believe, of any priest you know, of any healer, like you have to face your own stuff first to be qualified, you right, know? Right. Mm-hmm. Do you still watch Star Wars? So, like, yeah, like I, I have, I mean, <laughs> I got a collection, I got a collection of almost every Sith and Jedi figure that, that you know, like I, I do. It's part of, it's funny. It's like someone once told me, a friend of mine was like, those, that's your, they told me that's one of my altars. Like someone was like, that's one of your altars. You know, what I mean? 
you've given power to those things. They mean something to you. And I was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But it's like each one of the characters, I know them and I understand what their force power is and like how they use it and what their journey was. And what, you know what I mean? It's kind of like it's definitely something that that works into my psyche and my mythology that it, that's fun to access. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, still watch the power. I love it. Like, I mean, it's it's my, I, I, I talk about anytime I talk about this journey, it, it comes into the conversation because the reality is it was the first archetype for me, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, of, of my path. Like, to me, I think of myself as like a Jedi. Like, you know, I'm a martial artist. I also do healing work. I also have a spiritual practice. I walk with a certain code. Like, to me, that's, it's very similar in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. I'm cheating with my questions because Dawood is my brother. And so... <laughs> <laughs> kind of teasing him forgive me (laughs) i appreciate it Mm -hmm. may the force be with you (laughs) all of us we just have to acknowledge it right that's right that's right well this has been really a a very good conversation i've learned quite a bit um it's just that i'm gonna need to uh recalibrate and apply to my own life so thank you for um your inspiration here thank Um, you can, can you talk a little bit about how people can get in touch with you, um, ways sure. you can be reached? Um, so my website is www.daoudsun, like the sun, so daoudsun.com. And through there, I actually have videos where I explain Reiki and my own story and things of that nature. If people have questions and want to learn more. Um, I have like a little blog, so there's like a lot of my writings and different philosophies are on there, and then people can book appointments. Um, and then a lot of people I interact with, and even my clientele, I get through Instagram, which is at Daoud Sun. Um, I do, I actually get a lot of people through social media, because I share a lot. You know, I write a lot of my philosophies and my thinking, and that I believe attracts a lot of people, to, and they're just like, they contact me and they want to come do work, you know, because a big part of my work is also counsel which I think differs from a lot of Reiki practitioners. There's a, there's a big, generally there's like an hour of talking and an hour of energy work. That's okay. usually what happens. Um, and, and for me, you know, what I, what I believe, so part of my work is I, I try to, uh, and I try to lead people on the path to empowering themselves to take responsibility for their own healing. So I'm mm-hmm. facilitating it, but ultimately like I want them to come to their realizations on their own. Like, I'm not trying to tell somebody, you need to stop doing blah, blah, blah. We talk and then they're eventually like, oh yeah, I need, that's why this is happening. I need to look at that. Like, right. I need to change whatever. And that's, that's what I, I do with a lot of people I work with. It's like, we, we go down a path, a talking path to kind of support the energetic healing, but to give work and reflection you know to look at that they can take with them and start putting it into a life practice you know i you know suggest books to people i send people different sound healing just all different tools i try to do my best i send people stir you know what i'm saying we trade in that way some people are like you need to get a reading you're hard-headed or you know what i'm saying you might need to hear it from a different source right right um, so it's yeah so i have a website and um social media and um you know me and Zawah be doing more work and talking about expanding our practice as well um i'm working on a book you know there's just like a lot of a lot of different things that hopefully will help get this work out there more you know and help help more people wake up to themselves yes i think we're we're in a time of evolution and transformation and all over the place, even even dealing with this epidemic right now, this pandemic, totally. right? This is part of the awakening um, of, of a new a new life, a new way of being. And so it's not by accident that we're talking about these types of things. These are the holistic approaches to living life that yep. I think are going to be sustainable and, and that are actually that are going to sustain us moving forward. Fundamental. Mm-hmm. I mean. You know, it's a hard reality, but we're realizing if people weren't living in a certain kind of way, those are the people who have been the most susceptible to this thing. You know, um, it's kind of like it attacks weaknesses, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's kind of like 
for me, it's been a wake up call for people to realize that we need to really look at how we practice life. Like, how are we eating? You know, what has become normal to us? Are we, are we sick and then simply taking things to alleviate our symptoms, but not looking at the source of why we're sick in the first place and like removing that. And I think that this thing is making people have to think about that because it's attacking the people who haven't dealt with why they're sick. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, and I don't mean to be insensitive about that. I, it's just what I've been observing. It's really been taking a toll on our community in a big way, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of the people who haven't been really health conscious and wellness conscious and, um, you know, have been practicing a lifestyle that's no longer sustainable. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I hope it's a wake up call. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And and we got we got work to do to continue um, helping people understand. Um, like, I like the way you work with people that is coming from inside them. You're not telling them what to do. You're giving information and empowering them to utilize that information to take control of their life and manifest what they want to see happen. And that's what tapping into spirit is all about, I think. Yeah, totally yes. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> well said. <laughs> many, many thanks to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, we're very appreciative of you coming on and sharing the knowledge and giving the wisdom and sharing your your own process of self-work and diligence that has allowed you to be at a space where you can share what you have been able to receive. So thank you so much for um, coming on and doing that. Yeah, thank you. I I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I truly appreciate it. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, thank you. All right. So we'll be talking more in the future because I'm sure people will have questions, some follow-up stuff. So we'll have you back on down the line and, and chop it up some more and see how things are going um, from there. Awesome. Is that song going to come on now? that's how we do it here <laughs> it's the spirits yeah. it's the spirits <laughs> so thank you all for all our listeners we thank you for tuning in again and um, you know have a wonderful day and continue to do your work and, and continue to tap into spirit and we will be seeing you next time. Talking to you next time. Peace. 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 <laughs> talking about spirit. So in closing, we like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve. Continue to transform. Continue to thrive and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.